33 Teeth by Colin Cotterell Read by Nigel Anthony Form A223-79Q Attention, Judge Heng Somboon, Care of Department of Justice, People's Democratic Republic of Laos, from Dr. Siri Paiboon, Re-National Coroner, date 13th of the 6th, 1976. Resume. 1904. Plus or minus a year. Yes, didn't have such clear boundaries in those days. Born in uh, Kamun province, purportedly to Hmong parents. I don't recall it myself. 1908. Whisked off to live with a wicked aunt. 1914. Dumped in a temple in Savannakay and left to the will of the Lord Buddha. 1920. Graduate from the Temple High School. No great feat. 1921. Buddha investment pays off. Shipped to Paris by kindly French sponsor intent on making something of me. The French make me start high school all over again just to prove it wasn't a fluke the first time. 1928. Enroll at Ancienne Medical School. 1931. Meet and marry Boursawan in Paris and join the Communist Party for a lark. 1934, begin internship at Hotel Dieu Hospital. Decide I might want to become a doctor after all. 1939, return to Laos. 1940, frolic in the jungles of Laos and Vietnam. Reassemble broken soldiers and avoid bombs. 1975, come to Vientiane, hoping for a peaceful retirement. 1976, kidnapped by the party and appointed national coroner. I often weep at the thought of the great honour bestowed upon me. Sincerely, Dr. Siri Pai Boon. Vientiane, People's Democratic Republic of Laos, March 1977. The neon hammer and sickle buzzed and flickered to life over the nightclub of the Lan San Hotel. The sun had plummeted mauvely into Thailand, across the Mekong River, and the hotel waitresses were lighting the little lamps that turned the simple sky-blue room into a mysterious nighttime cavern. In an hour, a large Vietnamese delegation would be offered diversion there by members of the Lao People's Revolutionary Party Politburo. They'd be made to watch poor country boys in fur hats do a Lao falling-over version of Cossack dancing. They'd be forced to suck semi-fermented rice whiskey from large tubs through long straws until they were dizzy. They'd finally be coerced into embarrassing dances with solid girls in ankle-length skirts and crusty makeup. And assuming they survived these delights, they'd be allowed to return to their rooms to sleep. Next day, with heads as heavy as pressed rubber, they'd sign their names to documents laying the foundations for the forthcoming Lao-Vietnam Treaty of Friendship and they probably wouldn't remember very much about it. But that was all to come. The understaffed hotel day shift had been replaced by an understaffed night crew. The sweating receptionist was ironing a shirt in the glass office behind her desk. The chambermaid was running a bowl of rice porridge up to a sickly guest on the third floor. Outside, an old guard, in a jacket so large it reached his knees, was locking the back gate that opened onto Setatirat Road. At night it kept out the dogs, 
and the odd traveller tempted to come into the garden in search of a respite from the cruel hot season nights. A wall two and a half metres high protected the place, as if it were something more special than it was. Leaves floated in a greasy swimming pool. Obedient flowers stood in well-spaced regiments, better watered than any of the households out along the street. And then there were the cages. They were solid concrete, so squat that a tall man would have to stoop down to see inside. Two were empty. They housed only the spirits of animals, temporarily imprisoned there. A monkey replaced by a deer, a peacock taking over the sentence of a wild dog. But in the grim shadows of the third cage, something wheezed. It moved rarely, only to scratch lethargically at its dry skin. The unchristened black mountain bear was hosed down along with the bougainvilleas.